Take your Bibles, we're in the book of Galatians and uh, chapter 5 as you're turning there, studying this doctrine of godliness. We learned last year what God is like as his attributes, we studied those and this year we're studying what we should be like as the people who profess to know him and have a relationship with him through that precious sacrifice that Christ offered on our behalf. Sadly for too many believers, the Christian life really boils down to simply doing the best you can. There's no vitality, there's no power, there's no zeal, there's no dynamic influence in your life. Often there's no real distinction in our lives from the world around us, other than maybe we're a little more determined or a little more disciplined. But So many live life as though it's simply moments of joy, moments of sorrow, and we just have the promise of heaven later. When there should really be something different about our life each and every day. Jesus came and offered that sacrifice that Sherwin just sang about. So that you and I could have life, have eternal life, but have life now and have it abundantly. He came so that there would be vitality in the way that we live. And the secret to experiencing that abundance of life is not really a secret it's the Spirit of God. God doesn't want us to be better because we can't. God wants us to be like His Son. But in order to be like His Son, we have to die to self. The amazing thing is Jesus promised one who would come after Him, one just like Him who would replace Him, a paraclete, one who would come and walk alongside us, one who would come and indwell us, one who would guide us into all the truth that he embodied. As we're studying the doctrine of godliness, we're meditating on scripture verses in, in the box of memory verse cards that we gave you. And, and there's a quote that is, there's quotes that are interspersed all throughout that box just to stop and think about some godly individuals that have given us some wisdom and counsel. I love what John Stott said, without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without a life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. The, the real distinction today between the world and the church should be this. We are filled with God's presence. A spirit-filled life. A spirit-driven life. It's what makes my life different as a student or as a parent. As a single or as a newlywed. We manifest the power of the gospel each and every day. My work ethic, your work ethic, should communicate the presence of the Spirit when we enter the office or the factory. Our marriages should be testimonies of the amazing love of Christ, the love that is changing us and transforming us. Our relationships with others should be revealing a, a love and a unity and a, a passion and a purpose in life. And that's only possible by the presence of of the Spirit of God in your life and my life. So many are just surviving when Jesus came so that we could be thriving in the Christian life. 
And in order for that to happen, I need to allow God's word to speak into my life and for the spirit of God to take that word and transform my life and to flesh out the faith that we profess we believe. Now, Paul's going to explain that here in Galatians chapter 5. So if you found your, that in, in, in your Bible, I want to encourage you to stand with me as we're going to read just a few verses. I'm going to go from verse 16, hopefully all the way to verse 25 or 26 today. But I'm just going to read a few verses so we can get into the text this morning. I say then, Paul writes to you and me, and not just the Galatians, but the Spirit of God inspired him to give us a word for us today as well. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not, shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornications, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit... It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such, there is no law. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Spirit of God, speak to us this morning. God, may we not close not just the Bibles, but close our hearts to hearing you speak today. This word brings life. God, we have nowhere else to turn but to you today. So speak to us. Lord, we long to see your glory. That glory manifested in our lives. The glorious presence of your spirit. Fleshing out what's really on the inside. And Lord, we know that, Lord, as we navigate this life, we're not going to be perfect. We'll one day get glorified bodies. But may we be working out what you've worked in. Striving to live a life that's pleasing and glorifying to you. And doing it not in our own strength and in our own power, but in the power of your Spirit. So Spirit of God, teach us today. Guide us into all truth. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. And Lord, let your word not fall to the ground, I pray. But find a place in every heart before me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Paul is writing to the Galatians and and this whole epistle is written in a way to help us to realize that there's no power in religion. There's no change, really, that takes place by following a bunch of traditions and rules of men. There's, there's freedom in Christ. There's a freedom when you and I come to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A freedom not like what's defined in the Constitution. A freedom that we find in Christ Jesus. A freedom that frees us from any works-driven faith. Thinking you and I can make ourselves better. We can try harder. It's a freedom, listen, that when that grace comes into my life, it fuels me. It, it empowers me to lovingly serve others just as my Savior did. 
It's a freedom that ensures that there's spiritual growth that takes place. And that spiritual growth takes place because of the power of the Spirit of God that now dwells within us. Paul's going to reveal, listen, we need to walk by the Spirit. Bear evidence that we're walking in the Spirit. Avoiding those obstacles. Avoiding that, that which will cause us not to thrive in our faith. And it's the Spirit-led life that leads to fruitfulness. And that's what the world needs to see has happened in your life and my life. Now we are free because of what Christ has done to follow the Spirit. I need to realize, you need to realize, there's a conflict going on in this world today. And I'm not talking about in Ukraine or in Israel. I'm talking about a conflict that's taking place in your heart and my heart today. It's a conflict between two natures, the old nature and the new nature, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And we have to make a choice every day, many times every day, of who we will surrender to, who we will yield to, who I will yield control of my life. Paul says, listen, I say this, walk in the Spirit. Now, if you want to circle that word walk, it is a command, an imperative. It is not optional for the believer. We are commanded, we who confess Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we are to walk in a manner that is guided and directed by the one he promised he would send, the Holy Spirit. My daily walk, my daily activity, the Greek word is something that you would see, uh, they called them the peripatetics that, that followed Aristotle around and, and, and they were philosophers that followed him around and, and they learned from their teacher and, and basically wherever he walked, they walked. That's the same Greek word here. And we walk as we navigate life, wherever God's spirit may lead us, wherever we may go, we're to be being led by his spirit now see this is a beautiful picture that we see even in the old testament when god led his people out of bondage in egypt how did he lead them by his presence the pillar the the pillar of fire the pillar of cloud by day that that led them the same way you and i are to be led by the spirit but here's the amazing thing he's not external to you and me he's internal to you and me now here's the problem There are two natures within me, he says in this verse. There is my flesh and the spirit. Now the flesh is just not this stuff right here. It's talking about our old nature. My old sinful nature. What I was, that wretch Sherwin sang about. That that wretched lifestyle that we had before we met Christ. The decisions we used to make when we did it allow God's truth to guide and direct us we made selfish choices we made sinful choices and we lived that way but praise God we were saved we experienced the grace and the mercy of God and praise God he's rich in mercy in any day who haven't experienced that your life can be made new Now these two natures, the flesh, my old nature, and the spirit, listen, as Peter would say, the divine power that God has given us, his divine nature, the spirit that now indwells us, these war with one another. 
there's a conflict that takes place. Why? Because they have different desires, different appetites. The Holy Spirit wants to control my body, control your body as a believer. He wants us to be led by him. He doesn't want us to grieve him. But what happens is this creates a conflict because my old nature still wants to be in control. It wants to do things that I shouldn't do. But I need to be led by the Spirit. How are you led? Well, I'm just giving an illustration. When I lived in Fort Worth, every Saturday morning I would grab, well, only had three boys at first, and then we got two more, and they just kept coming. It was in the water, I don't know. And so I would pick up the boys on Saturday morning to give Mama a break, and we'd go get us at least a dozen donuts, usually two, and we'd go down to the switch yard in Fort Worth. Now, if you don't know what the switchyard is, there, there is this enormous train switchyard there in Fort Worth. I mean, the tracks all come from all over the United States. They seem to go, it used to be when the stockyards were there and the cattle you and I enjoy. Nothing like a good steak, amen. Well, listen, we would go down and we would get our donuts and we'd sit there on the track and we would just watch the trains switching tracks, picking up, uh, you know, uh, cars and, and, and moving them off one track onto another and we'd enjoy the donuts, right? Now, those cars did not move unless they were attached to an engine. But once they were attached to the engine, they went in the direction that that engine said to go. And it's the same way with your nature, my nature, the old nature and the new nature in Christ. We are going to be attached to some engine. Something is going to drive us, lead us, guide us, direct us. And it's a choice you and I make daily. It is a daily choice. And the Spirit wants to lead us and guide us down the right track. Because if you don't go down the right track, it's going to be a mess. And we've been there and done that. So how the Spirit does this, He does this internally and externally. Internally, He's the force within us. Externally, the Spirit does this through this book right here, the Word of God. This Word is essential. This Word is how God speaks to us. Which is just makes sense, right? Because stop and think about the Word of God. Who inspired the Word of God? God did. His Spirit inspired men to write these words down. Here's the amazing thing. The Spirit that inspired the Word, Jesus said, He'll illuminate our minds to understand the Word. And then apply the Word on our heart. Because God said in the New Covenant, He was going to put two things in the hearts of His people. One thing that used to be external on tablets of stone, the law, which now can be internalized and written on the tablets of our hearts. And the Spirit of God, who, listen, inspired the men to write the Word, now that Spirit of God comes and dwells within us and gives you and I the ability Ability, the power to do what we couldn't do, which was keep the law. Now that doesn't save us. We're saved because Christ died for us. He lived the perfect life none of us could live. He paid the penalty for all of our imperfections called sin on the cross. And because of what he has done, we have salvation by grace through faith in him. But the application of that now comes as his people is, you know what? I didn't always love God, but now the Spirit of God enables me to love Him as I ought. And to do what He commands. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. And the only way I can do that is not in my own power. I can muster up the strength. I can muster up the will. We're going to get her done. No, 
is not me. It's, it's God's spirit in me. And I have to yield to him and allow him to have control. I die to self and find life in Christ. Paul would say over in Philippians, we're just working out what God has worked in. Praise God, he is at work in our lives. Amen? I should see that manifested every day of my life. And these natures are contrary to one another. You see that in the text. They, they disagree with one another. They don't have, one is focused on self, the flesh. The other is focused on God and how we should live our life, our orientation. Now, in the margin of your Bible, you could write Romans seven fifteen, And the section there that Paul speaks about when he says, listen, this sanctification that's taking place in our life, as we should be growing, growing in righteousness and growing in holiness to God, set apart to him, there's a battle that even Paul experienced. He says, listen, I want you to know, Romans, listen, I do not know what I am doing. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate to do, I do. For what I do is not good and I want to do, but the evil that I don't want to do, I do. How does this keep happening in my life? Is there any hope for us? Well, praise God, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And who are those who are in Christ Jesus? Those who are led by the Spirit. There is victory for us that you and I cannot win in our own strength, in our own power. We only achieve that victory as we die to self and find life in Christ. And what the Spirit of God wants to do is for you and I to have the Word of God written on our heart and begin taking things captive to the knowledge of who God is and what He's like and what His principles and precepts are. And that's what godliness is. Knowing who he is, you become like the object you worship, and you obey, you surrender and yield to what the, the precepts and principles that he's given us. Now, beloved, this isn't going to happen if I'm just opening the word for an hour on Sunday. I've got to feed that new nature, the word of God. That's why we take these memory verses, man, this is on my, on my kitchen table, you know, and as I eat dinner with the kids, sometimes I'll say, okay, listen, what it's saying this week, I know I'm going to preach on it, but you're going to hear it right here. And we walk through the scriptures and just meditate them. I have a set and I just, I walk through them in my office and I meditate on the word that I'm learning this week and allowing it to saturate my mind so that I can die to self and find life in Christ. You see, this is possible because I am free not just to, to, to follow the spirit, but I'm free to forsake the flesh. I have to forsake the flesh. I have to die to those old, sinful, fleshly habits. They're not just simply going to go away. One day, praise God, they will. When we get glorified bodies. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I'm looking forward to that day. But until then, God calls us to walk by faith with our eyes fixed on him. The sin that so easily trips us up. Hebrews chapter 12, we need to set that aside. The way we set that aside is we take on and we listen to the word of God and allow God's spirit to guide us. Paul says, listen, it, it, the works of the flesh, they're evident. It, it's obvious. This is how we once were. This is how we once lived. You and I don't continually live involved in, in, in these activities. We've been set free from this. It's what we learned last week. It's why Christ died for us, amen? Our identity, Romans chapter 6, is with his death. We, we've died. We're new. 
Let's live like it. Let's, let's be different. In fact, these works of the flesh, it's a plural. And, and, and there's, there's a whole slew of them here. I'm not going to go through all each one individually, but, but, but someone grouped them. Listen, there's a group of immortality. There's a group of idolatry. And some say a group of, of intimacy or relationships with individuals. Immortality, immorality, things like sexual sins and moral impurity, sexual indulgence. You see that rampant in our culture today. Christ set us free to live pure, not to be addicted to porn. He set us free from that. We don't have to follow that flesh anymore. Praise God. We can be made new. Sins of idolatry, the things that we once worshipped that took the place of God, no longer have to take the place of God. And it's not just worshiping things, but even worshiping self. And you stop and think about social media today and how it's really narcissistic and it's idolatrous in the sense that we love to glorify self in all of our postings. How many likes can I get? How many hits can I get on my, on my page? And, 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 and this culture and this mindset around us just feeds it and fuels it. And if you're not careful, you will follow along to the tune of a different individual. Sins of intimacy, bitterness, hatred, jealousy, hateful attitudes, murder, all these things are things that destroy relationships. And you stop and think, that's incongruous with the Spirit's presence within us because the Spirit is the one that brings unity. The Spirit is the one that ensures unity among the people of God. And yet I've got to make a choice. I have to make a choice whether I'm going to be led by the Spirit or I'm going to allow the flesh to produce its works. But look down here at verse 24. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions, with its old desires. So what we saw last week, right? Christ, my identity is with Him in His death, in His burial. Praise God in His resurrection. He died so that we could be set free from this and walk in a newness of life. He, he didn't just die for me. We died with him. We were there. Christ, listen, died and paid the penalty for you and for me. Our identity is completely with him. And not only has he paid the penalty, but he's broken the power of sin in our life. Now, Paul would allude to this earlier in Galatians if we were going through the whole epistle over in chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's going to say it again over in chapter 6, verse 14. He'll say, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We died with him. That's our profession when we walk through those waters. We died, he died, was buried and rose again. I died to the old nature, and now I'm living in a newness of life through Christ. That's what we're testifying. And it's the spirit that fuels, empowers, and makes that a possibility. Now Paul says, listen, if you're fleshing out these works, notice what he says back in verse 21. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
It's not saying if you commit one sin. It's saying a habitual practice. Christ set us free from that. If we are habitually living, if that's our habit of life, our manner of being, if there's no repentance, no turning away from those things, then you and I should be concerned because those who continually live in this way with no sign of repentance either are not born again or they're not living in the fullness of the Spirit. And I would be concerned. You should be concerned. Because we've been set free. I don't have to follow the flesh anymore. I can forsake it. I can turn away from it. Praise God. And I can walk in a newness of life. You see, the flesh, Paul says, it's been crucified with Christ. It needs to be crucified. You know, Paul would say over in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, in the flesh dwells no good thing. You know, sometimes we'll say, oh, he's got a good heart. No, he doesn't. Jeremiah tells us the heart is exceedingly wicked and deceitful. It'll lie to you. It's, it'll lie to you that, that so much John would say, you know what, if we say we walk in the light, but we practice the deeds of the darkness, the truth isn't in us. We're not being authentic. And yet that's what God wants. In fact, Paul would say in Romans chapter 13, you know, make no provision for the flesh. Don't, don't feed it. Don't, don't fuel it. Can disconnect from that engine and connect to the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God lead you down a different track. A great preacher once said this, what humanity needs is not a better vocation, not a better education, not more information, not stronger medication, not a new situation. What humanity needs is transformation, and that transformation is only found in Christ Jesus. In fact, there's a great hymn of the faith we used to sing, right? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, God, take and seal it. Seal it for thy court above. It is a struggle. Every single one of us in this room experiences the old nature versus the new nature. It's a struggle. Listen, you don't arrive until you get to heaven, church. But along the way, we should be growing less and less inclined to doing the things of the flesh and more and more inclined to being led by the Spirit of God. We can forsake the flesh and we can live fruitful lives. You see, Paul has this contrast, not just between the two natures, but the two things that they produce. What one produces works, one produces, the new nature produces fruit. Now, it's interesting, the fruit is singular, the works are plural, and that's because we need to see there's not different fruits that we have. We have the fruit of the Spirit seen in these different ways. It's kind of like a cluster of grapes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These fruits of the Spirit, these are the qualities that we should have in our life. We'll examine those later in the year when we walk through different passages and we come back to this one again. But just for now, just realize, you and I were made by the Spirit of God, empowered. We are made in such a way that now, with a new nature, we can have a productive life producing this fruit. Now, what's amazing about this fruit is someone says, listen, these are, these are fruits that aren't to be like, 
you know, some people used to have that. You remember grandma's house? You'd go to her house and she had all that plastic fruit that she had on the, uh, on the table. You remember? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I haven't seen much of it lately. But, um, but it was on display, right? We, we don't, I guess it never, you know, went bad, right? Like our fruit bowl sometimes because the kids just don't always eat their fruits and veggies. But that fruit that we have as believers is not to be on display. Oh, well, look at that. Isn't that lovely? Fruit is to be consumed. It's something that you almost, it's seen in your life and my life. And it's an invitation to others. Oh man, taste and see, he's good. He can change your life. He can give you love and joy and peace. Love for him rather than the things of this world. Love that is selfless, not selfish. Joy and peace that come because your sins have been dealt with and you have an abiding hope now. A hope that, that has a great outlook in life. Uh, just Not just love, joy, and peace. Patience, right? Or long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. That, that affects my relationships with, with those around me. Learning how to be patient with others who don't know the Lord, right? Patient with those who aren't walking in the Spirit, but are led by their flesh. Being kind, being gentle, compassionate, concerned for them. Showing goodness so that they too might taste and see that He's good. The the inner qualities that it mentions here. Faithfulness, gentleness, and sober self-control, temperance. That's the way that I live out my life. These are things that should be coming out of your life and my life. If we profess to know Christ. You see, things that are works, that that, that highlights your effort, my toil, my strain, I'm going to produce this. And yet, the fruit that comes from you and from me, it's organic. It's just a flow out of our lives. And the flesh, all of these works are nothing but dead works. But the Spirit produces fruit that brings life. In fact, we'll look at a verse in a couple weeks in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, you know what? As, as branches, we are attached to him, the vine. And if we abide in him and he abides in us and this word abides in you and me, then we'll bear fruit. In fact, he wants us to bear more fruit. Sometimes he'll prune us so that we'll bear more fruit. And his desire is that we'll bear much fruit. My life and your life, we should be evaluating ourselves, seeing, is this evident because the Spirit of God dwells within me? And my life is a testimony to people, listen, not just for an hour on Sunday morning, but really the shoe leather all throughout the week, in my home, in, in the workplace. This fruit is, is, is to find itself thriving, growing, producing more and more and more. And it's only going to happen when I crucify the flesh and its passions, and its desires. I mean, it's a burden we all should have, those who profess faith in Christ. You see, God's desire is this word that the Spirit inspired would illumine your heart and my heart, and it would begin chiseled, being chiseled right here on my heart. And then I would flesh it out. And as we flesh it out, driven by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, we do it. We put it into practice. But it's not trying harder. It's dying harder. We'll look at Galatians 2.20 in a couple weeks as well. And talking about the crucified life. What that looks like each day. But but it's a life that we have to live. In order to live the wonderful spirit filled life. 
I've got to get out of the way. You've got to get out of the way. We've got to allow the Spirit to have control of our life. No longer, listen, do I have to live under the power of this flesh. There's victory for us today. Christ died to take that away. But listen, if you're not working out what he's worked in, you're not going to see the evidence of it. That's our responsibility each day. He, he came to save us from our sins, the penalty that was against us, death. And he conquered the grave. He rose again. He's got the victory, y'all. But he also came so that you and I would not live under the power of sin. And the only way that happens, listen, is by his presence, his spirit dwelling within us. And so my life, I got to make sure I'm attached that I'm surrendering to the Spirit of God each day. God, your Spirit, your Word tells me this. Spirit of God, help me to apply this principle in my life, this precept in my life. God, there's a precious promise here that, that, that's a conditional statement. Lord, if I'll choose this, then, then I'll experience that. This is what we do when we open the Word of God. Spirit of God, speak to me. Change my hard heart. I can't do it. I need you. He says, as I said last week, we crucify the flesh and its desires. And as we learned last week, you cannot crucify yourself. You cannot. You must be put to death at the hands of another. And it's the same way. We hand over complete surrender. Lord, put it to death. I don't want it to reign and rule in my life anymore. Take away the desires. Take away my attachment to that old fleshly nature. And help me to go in a different direction empowered, led by your spirit. And the secret is die. Die to self. And so we have to evaluate. What is the extent that it's evident that the fruit of the spirit is in my life? And I'm, I'm living, I'm thriving, I, I'm, I'm fleshing out the, the, the spirit-filled life. You see, this is when if I hear God speak and I hear a principle and precept, then I'm, I'm, I'm saying, God, I want that part. That's, that's for me. Chisel that right there in my heart. Bring that to my mind. Lord, I need to meditate on that truth. I, I need to turn that over. Spirit of God, renew my ways of thinking. Listen, this will radically change the way you relate to your spouse. It, it'll radically change the way we parent our kids. Hey, students, it'll radically change the way we might talk to our moms and dads. As the Spirit takes control of our tongue, and, and, and we learn how to speak in a way that, that has salt and grace with it. That, this, is how, this is why Christ came, y'all. He came, we're not waiting for heaven where we'll make it through. No, he came to give us victory now to thrive. And that's what the world around us needs to see. But it's only going to happen when you and I just humble ourselves, say, God, not me, but Christ in me. The Spirit of God, change me.